0: This is episode 96 with Shannon Willoughby. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Shannon Willoughby is a pilot, a very successful entrepreneur, a former elite athlete, and an all round genuine legend. Shannon played World Cup rugby for the New Zealand Black Ferns, winning the World Cup title in 2006 and the national title in 2008. And she was a member of the International Women's Leadership Forum in 2017 where she met and learned from the likes of Hillary Clinton. Shannon's story is pretty phenomenal because these feats have come with their fair share of challenges and adversities that would have been enough for most of us to give up, give up at sport, give up on our career goals and potentially give up altogether. Shannon's attitude of never taking no for an answer is a powerful reminder to all of us that our reality is defined by the choices we make and the goals we set, not by the words that are spoken to us, by our external influences and not what happens in our lives. Guys, you've heard me talk about this many times on this podcast and it's a belief I will always share because it's a powerful mindset shift that can help you fulfill your potential in life and that is that it doesn't matter what happens to us in our lives. It's how we choose to respond and in actual fact, nothing ever happens to us It only ever happens for us. You must shift your mindset and not get stuck on the thoughts of failure or judgment or not good enough or I've always been this way or I can't do that because of X, Y, Z happened to me when I was younger or all my relationships fail or I've always (laughs) struggled to find happiness or my knees are stuffed from footy when I was younger so I can't do much exercise. Bullshit. Bullshit to all of those stories that you've created in your mind. And I'm sure you'll feel that message from this episode. Shannon also highlights the power and importance of having clear goals and visions in your life. Philosophies that I am 100% supportive of. If you're keen to fulfill your potential in this one and only life that you have... And if you're keen to learn more on how to create clear goals and visions, if you're committed to learning more about how to understand your mindsets and create powerful mindset shifts that won't allow you to be stuck in your past and not move you forward in alignment with your life, if you're keen to learn these habits, tools, and strategies, it's all there for you in our Mental Strength Training Online program. And as discussed on previous episodes, the structure of this program has changed But you still get all the videos, all the value and you get to keep the material forever. So if you listen to the intro of the recent episode with Nan Baldwin, you would have heard me read the review from a participant who has just completed this new structure of the program and he detailed how grateful he was for the mental strength training online program and how life changing that program and this podcast has been for him. He's built more resilience, courage and confidence and now living in alignment with his values. Super powerful. So jump on to yourlifeofimpact.com forward slash coaching and check out all the info there. And as always, please reach out to me with any questions at all. You can find all my details on the website. In this episode with Shannon, we discuss... Why representing New Zealand at the top level still gives her goosebumps when thinking about it. Why no doesn't mean no unless you let it. How not being scared of failure is a trait for success. The powerful mindset shift that she created in hospital from why me type questions to how can I grow from this type questions... Why the greatest challenges and adversities have made her more determined to succeed and not less determined. How essential oils were a big part of her rehab success and why her passion for that industry has become her main business. How one particular product gets more attention than any other because it helps people beat anxiety and manage stress so well and how you can benefit from it too. This is gold actually because... I thought about this more after we spoke and how many of us live stressful lives and how many people I work with and help them with their anxiety through our breath work and structured training and I thought, this is a product that every listener should check out. If this is the one that Shannon is getting an abundance of feedback on and people are repeat customers because of its success, then it must be great. So I actually have jumped on since recording this episode with Shannon and have ordered the, uh, the Beat the Stress product as well, which I'll talk a little bit more about in the in the outro and you'll hear us talk about it in this episode. Now, just before we hear from this legend, I want to take a minute to read another iTunes review. And as always, those reviews mean a lot to me and I'm super grateful for your time and effort. This one is titled loving the podcast it says mate this podcast has been a godsend having been through some really trying times in my work life listening to your podcast has really given me the lift I needed at this point and put me back on track to being that best version of myself that I can be I just started on your mental strength training program and I'm so pumped on powering into the next chapter thank you please keep your inspirational light shining that's from Addo thanks Addo you're a legend that's that feedback that means a lot that's greatly appreciated and especially for just taking that time to write that short review and give that five star revading that's that's brilliant thank you again and thank you to everyone who has taken the time and effort to do that okay now let's hear from Shannon Willoughby So, Shannon, you're actually the first person that I've had on this podcast that has their pilot's license. Why a pilot for you?
1: I. This sounds cheesy, but I always wanted to be a pilot ever since I saw Top Gun when I was a wee girl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Classic. We all watch movies and we want to be certain things, but that's one thing to have that dream because I believe it's a pretty tough path not easy not cheap to get into
1: no it's definitely been a huge challenge something i'm really proud of achieving my commercial pilot's license and becoming a qualified flying instructor i guess yeah i I saw Top Gun, I thought Tom Cruise was just awesome, so cool, so I wanted to be like that. And then it wasn't until I I had my first flight when I was 19, and the first time you take controls of an aeroplane, I don't think anyone in the world would ever do that and not want to carry on. It was just the most incredible feeling, absolutely loved it, so... Yeah, I did anything I
0: could to achieve that goal. How long did it take you to get your pilot's license?
1: So I had my first flight at 19, but I was focused on a few other goals. So rugby being one at the time. So it wasn't until I was 27 when I went full time. I gave up everything to move to Auckland and study at Ardmore Flying School. And it actually only took me two years to get my commercial pilot's licence. Some people can do it a wee bit faster than that. Sometimes it takes people longer if you're not doing it full-time but yeah my commercial pilot's license within two years and then I decided to become a flying instructor as well so that added on an extra six months I think it was.
0: So you can teach other people how to become pilots? Yeah correct. So if I come over there and you can teach Brett Robbo from Cobar how to fly a plane is that right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I'd love to take you flying if you came to New Zealand for sure.
0: You know it's funny I actually years ago I got to a point and I said Okay, I'm applying for uni and if I don't get in... So I went back to university as a mature age to study exercise science and my backup was to be... I actually was going to do helicopter pilot's licence so, oh, wow. I had that sort of interest to, to want to fly and then I got into uni and just sort of pushed that aside but – and that's how I sort of knew when I was looking into it that it's actually quite an arduous process and there's a lot of work yeah. and a lot of book smarts behind it, a lot of time, a lot of effort and a lot of investment.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely all of the above but – it's not too late, Robbo. You still could yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. Yeah. Your you've, private license.
0: you've planted <laughs> the seed with me again. We'll see how that goes down. <laughs> now, Shannon, awesome. before we hear more about your journey, I just want to say welcome to Your Life of Impact. Thanks. We've been connected via a mutual friend. Rachel, who's the wife of, you just mentioned it before, a good mate of mine and former podcast guest, Peter Finn. So, I'm super grateful for that connection. And for everyone listening, if you haven't recognized already, Shannon's got a pretty strong Kiwi accent. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you mentioned there before that you played a bit of rugby. So, I want to hear about that now because you've not only played for the New Zealand Black Ferns, but you've also won a World Cup title with them. What has it meant to you from a personal level to represent your country at that level?
1: Oh, God, I've just got goosebumps as you said that. Playing for the Black Ferns was a huge goal of mine. I dedicated so many years to achieving that goal. There were a few hurdles along the way, so I guess that's probably what makes... That World Cup final, such an awesome achievement for me too. So I started playing rugby when I was five and I got into rugby because my brother's team was short and dad convinced me if I played, he'd buy me some hot chips. So I thought I'd hit the jackpot, played, and it turns out <laughs> I was quite good at five playing with the boys. And then it progressed to he convinced me to keep playing and every try I scored, I think I got a dollar fifty. So I really thought... I, I definitely found my sport for sure then I played right the way through until I was 13 and girls couldn't play with the boys anymore, that was the law back then and then I started playing again for a club team when I was 15, I saw the Black Ferns win a World Cup that was all over TV in 1998 and there was, I, I remember it sitting there watching the 6 o'clock news seeing them and I thought wow that I, I really want that to me to be me, so I put through everything into it. I moved to Dunedin, started playing rugby for Otago. I trialled for the Black Ferns a few years and didn't get in. And I know some people, that happens to some people, they give up. And I never, ever wanted to give up. I knew I didn't make it that year, but I might make it the next year. And I did make the Black Ferns. And it was the best feeling in the world when I got that phone call from the coach to say that I'd made the black ferns and then well,
0: what, sorry, what are you gonna say? Yeah, I just wanna go back a bit. What made you not give up? What made you think, okay, I didn't make it this year, but I think I can make it next year. Was it more encouragement for your dad? Was he still convincing you for a dollar fifty each time?
1: <laughs> dad was definitely my biggest supporter. He he wanted me to be A black fern for sure. So yes, he was still convincing me, don't give up on your dreams. But I guess when I set a goal, set a goal, I do everything I can to achieve it. And I failed so many times. I'm not scared of failing. I do think failure helps everyone grow. So I didn't. Yes, I was disappointed that I hadn't made the team, but I wasn't going to throw my toys and think, right, that's it. I'm gonna. I'm I'm not going to play anymore. I, I had my eye on the prize. I wanted to make the Black Ferns. I took feedback from the coach on why I didn't make it, and I went and did everything to try and improve myself. I I definitely wanted to make the Black Ferns. There was nothing getting in my way, and if I didn't make it that year, I would have kept going. Thankfully, I didn't have to keep trying to make it until I was 40 or anything, so, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I just – I don't think – yeah, I I don't take no lightly. I – I definitely keep going until I've exhausted all avenues, I guess.
0: That's really powerful. And you mentioned there before that there was, you know, some big hurdles to get you there. Is that what the hurdles were, the fact that there was a lot of no's and you had to keep trying through?
1: No. So six months out from the 2006 World Cup, I actually broke my leg in five places. And I was told that there's no way I was going to make the World Cup. And Dad was the person who said to me, who the hell is that surgeon to tell you that you can't do something, Shannon? They're not you. You have the power to change that.
0: Brilliant. And
1: it was really, really hard. It hurt like all hell. But I trained. I I, I was fortunate that my cast came off quite early. I started walking on it. I forced myself to start running on it a bit early, I think, but I knew it wasn't going to be easy. I did have to really, really push it. I worked really hard. I had some incredible people around me at the time. My boss was actually my rugby coach as well, so he was extremely understanding. I had an amazing medical team helping me get there. Everyone was on my team. No one ever told me, you can't, you wouldn't do this, you won't do this, it's too hard. Everyone really worked towards me making it so I did actually get to that 2006 World Cup and even the Black Ferns management team naming me in the squad three months out knowing full well that I may not do it we'd had a we'd had a few really good chats and they did say they'd pull me out if if it got closer to the time and I wasn't capable but I did make it to the 2006 World Cup so there's footage that people seem to love ribbing me about in the World Cup final where I am just when the national anthem is playing before the final and I've just got tears streaming and that's all I could think about as that national anthem was playing I was standing in the final was me being told you won't make it and and I did it. So yeah, it was it was a really, really special
0: moment for me. What about the tears on your dad's face? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was definitely pretty proud,
0: that's for sure. I can imagine if he was your number one supporter, if he got you in there and encouraged you and paid you a fifty per try, it must have felt like a real family achievement because yeah. I know what it's like in New Zealand that rugby and netball are you know, if you play rugby and netball, you're like the, the king or the queens of the country. So to the family support they must have been unbelievably proud.
1: Yeah, definitely. He was for sure.
0: So You've played rugby at the top level and you've got your pilot's license and loving life, but there was actually a period of time where you couldn't do either of those passions. Tell us about that misfortune that stopped you from playing rugby and uh, taking you away from being a pilot. Take us right back to how and when it happened.
1: Yeah, okay. So there's been two major turning points in my life. So one of them, we, uh, we haven't actually discussed this. So you keep talking about my dad being a big, a huge supporter of mine. So just after the 2006 World Cup, oh, my dad passed away and he, yeah, he was such an incredible supporter in all areas of my life, but more so rugby. So I felt at that time that I, I, I needed a new goal. I'd just won the World Cup. It was something I'd worked towards my whole life. I'd I'd achieved that goal, and I needed something to make me happy, which is why I mentioned earlier I had my first um, flying lesson at 19, absolutely loved it. By this stage, I was 27 and thought, right, I've achieved my goal of winning a World Cup. Dad was extremely proud. I'm going to move on to my next goal, which was becoming a pilot. So, I, I did retire at that stage, quite young, from rugby to focus on my commercial pilot's license. It was pretty tough. I, as you mentioned earlier as well, it's, it is it's, it's pretty expensive to learn to fly. So I ended up working full time and studying full time to achieve my pilot's license. So that involved I'd, I'd be up at seven a.m. every day, racing out to Ardmore, flying until five, racing to my job which was an hour apart that distance, working until midnight, and I did that every day for five days. I dedicated my, through everything, into becoming a pilot and then completely out of the blue. So I'd achieved my commercial pilot's licence and my, I was a qualified flying instructor, and then completely out of the blue, I suffered the first of two strokes, and I was told that I would never, ever fly
0: again right so before we talk about the strokes i just want to say i'm really sorry to hear about your dad passing away and i imagine when that happened hearing you talk about him and how much of a an influence or an inspiration he was in your life that must have been some really tough times for you to get through physically and mentally just to to look at even setting goals let alone moving towards them
1: yeah it hit us quite hard. It did. It happened quite quickly as well. I mean, he was diagnosed with cancer, but it it, it happened really quickly, so we didn't really have time to process what was about to happen or anything. But it, it was it was an extremely difficult time. But all decisions I made, I always think of Dad and. I hope that I'm doing him proud. So, whew, I'm such a whimperer. It's been so long, <laughs> and I still get emotional.
0: Don't be silly. You're human. <laughs> That's yeah. It's it's beautiful to hear that you still get emotional. I'm not surprised. Like I said, that that talk of how influential he was. It's quite amazing. So, I have no doubt he's still extremely proud of you for sure for everything <laughs> that you're still achieving. And so the strokes, two strokes. How do you, do you know? How did it come about? What what was your experience with the actual stroke in the moment?
1: Yeah, so I'd actually just been to watch the 2014 World Cup, the Blackburns play in Paris, and I had been back one week and I'd had too many croissants and chocolate in Paris, so I decided I needed <laughs> <laughs> to uh, make some changes. So I was in the gym and doing deadlifts and I it turns out I had – an undiagnosed hole in my heart, which is, it's actually really common. Quite a few people have um, holes in their heart they're not aware of. So as I did the deadlift, though, it it opened the hole in my heart and allowed a clot to go through. So I instantly couldn't see anything on the right, and my words were a bit mixed up. So, yeah, I stupidly did nothing about it for a, a whole day. I um, even got up the next day and, and went and did a spin class of all things. It wasn't until a friend of mine who was also a pilot, Peter Upton, I owe my life to him. I think he had turned up at my house and said, uh, something's not right, Shannon. I explained to him what had happened and he said, you have had a stroke. And I didn't want to believe that, obviously. He said, no way, there's no way in hell I've had a stroke. He knows me too well, said, get in the car, I'll shout you lunch, we'll compare symptoms. So he'd had a minor stroke before that. We got in the car and he drove me straight to hospital and the rest is history. So I'm hugely thankful that he identified that something wasn't right and he took me to hospital.
0: How long was the two strokes? Was that in the same amount of time or did you recover and then have your next one?
1: No, so three days later. So I'm really lucky I was already in hospital loaded up on blood thinners when that happened.
0: Right. Yeah. And you were only 32 at that time. Mm
1: Mm-hmm,
0: correct. That's that's the unbelievable thing to think, and I'm sure everyone listening is probably thinking we all hear about people having a stroke and we might have experienced someone will have a stroke in our family or our network, but I don't know that I've ever known anyone to have a stroke at that age.
1: Yeah, I guess that's why it hit me so hard too. It's not only I was young, but I also used to be an athlete. I I mean, I thought I was fit and healthy. So how it could happen to me, I I didn't want to accept it. And I was surrounded by, you know, people you'd expect to have a stroke when I was in hospital. They were 70, 80 years old plus It definitely was not a very good time for me being in that hospital, that's for
0: sure. What was going through your mind when you're sitting there as a fit, healthy 32-year-old and you are surrounded by people like that and you know that you've experienced the same thing as them?
1: Um, I guess there was – I was probably putting on a bit of a front, to be honest. I didn't really want to accept that it had happened and I kept thinking, I've got this wrong, you know, that my CT scan, that can't be right. So I didn't want to – believe it but at the same time I was absolutely petrified over why did this happen is it going to happen again is it going to be worse I didn't realize just how bad I was so yes I couldn't see anything on the right but I thought other than that everything was fine but it turns out everyone has told me that my sentences were all mixed up they couldn't really understand when I'd ask someone to do something what I thought I was saying wasn't coming out and no one actually wanted to tell me that so I thought apart aside from not being able to see anything which is quite crucial still. But aside from that, I thought I was actually fine when I wasn't. So it, it was it was a pretty scary time for me.
0: So I, there's so much I want to know between then and the journey of getting back. But what I'm learning from you already is you're very goal-oriented. And like you said, you'll do what it takes to achieve a goal. And you've already told us that you are a pilot, which means you're a pilot since having – two strokes so what fill in the gaps there for us because obviously (laughs) when you have a stroke I I guess do you have to forfeit your license and go again do you have to prove yourself what's the the way forward there
1: yeah so the neurologist basically said to me you've had a stroke you'll have to tell the CAA you will CAA sorry uh, the civil aviation authority in New Zealand so Mm. they govern aviation in New Zealand and yeah if you suffer a stroke it's instant and definite loss of medical so I was absolutely destroyed and I just thought my life was over I, I kept thinking of what I'd given up to achieve my goal so it, it took me back to right even the feelings of when my dad passed away because I'd focused on flying since he passed away I thought about giving up rugby for it I thought about all of the times I'd missed out on friends and family time when I couldn't do something because I was either flying or I was working to help pay for the flying. So I just, I thought it's not fair, my life is shit. It's just, why has this happened? And a turning point for me was I was lying in the hospital bed, just feeling so sorry for myself. And I heard screaming, heard someone screaming, why me? Why effing me? Why me? And me being the nosy person that I am, got up and poked my head in the corridor. And there was a woman, she was nearing, she was mid-40s, learning to walk again. And I saw that and went back and lay on my hospital bed and realised in that moment just how lucky I was. Uh, That woman would have done absolutely anything to have been me. All she wanted to do was walk, and I could still walk, I could still talk. I realised... Just then, I was extremely, extremely lucky. And if losing my pilot's license or my medical was the only thing that I had lost, then I was extremely fortunate. So that was such a turning point for me. It changed my attitude, my mindset, everything. And then once I started feeling a bit better and not feeling so sorry for myself, I thought, you know what, I'm actually going to give it my all. Yes, I've been told I likely won't fly again. But I'm going to exhaust all avenues to try and prove that I am fit and healthy to fly. And if I keep being told no, then I will accept it. But if I didn't try, I would be in the same position anyway. It would be a no. So I started putting small steps and small goals in place to try and prove that I was fit and healthy to play Rugby again. So I, I saw, I got a second opinion from an aviation doctor who told me if I could prove that I was fit and healthy through perhaps playing sport again, then that might help my cause. So I started playing rugby again, and he probably was anticipating I'd play neckball or touch, but I went all in and <laughs> started playing rugby again. So I had my first game for college rifles. It was three months after a hard operation, six months after I was lying in that hospital bed being told I wouldn't ever be able to fly again. And I ended up playing that entire year. We won the Auckland Championship for College Rifles. I somehow made the Auckland Storm that year. And Auckland Storm had, at that stage, won 15 out of 16 national championships. So they were the absolute powerhouse of women's rugby. I'd never won a national championship before, so I'd never dreamed after six years of retiring I would make the Auckland Storm. And one year to the day of lying in that hospital bed I was named to start at number eight for Auckland Storm in the NPC and the following week we went on to win the the national championship so that was uh, so empowering I have never been so proud when that happened just knowing how far I'd come. I put up a bit of a fight for my medical, and 18 months to the day of suffering the stro- stroke, I actually got my a restricted class one medical back. And then on the 29th of October 2016, which I had no clue at the time, I can't believe this worked, worked out. It was actually World Stroke Day. I went flying solo for the first time since the stroke so it was my second first solo but by far the best flight of my entire life so I did it I proved them wrong and I got my medical back
0: brilliant if there's not a resonating message throughout all of that for everyone in the in the fact that you your determination comes from within and when you've got your clear goals that you can and should do everything in your power to achieve them, then I, I don't know what else we could get from that. That is, you know, one of the things that you said when you were lying in that hospital bed was, why has this happened to me? And, and then we get stuck in because shit happens to all of us right like sometimes it's really big sometimes it's surface level type stuff but we'll just create stories in our mind to make us believe that it's terrible it we can't move on poor us victim mentality whatever it is and when we ask why me why me it just gets us stuck in that space but then your situation that you know you created that mindset shift and then you started to change the why questions into how how can i prove myself how can i get fit and healthy again how can i get my pilot's license back not why me so and i love what you said if if i didn't try i wouldn't know you're exactly right so you know not getting stuck in that space what was the hard operation that you had what did they actually do?
1: Oh, they put a, it's called a PFO closure. So they put something in there that closes the hole.
0: That was going to just be my re- question. What happened to the hole in the heart? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty lucky that it happened now and not five or so years ago because it would have been a pretty, ma- pretty major operation and I definitely wouldn't have been able to play rugby. I mean, I guess it's, it's still a hard operation. It's just—it's still big, but... Definitely not as major as it could have been with medical advancements. So I'm really, really fortunate. I had such an incredible cardiologist working with me in Auckland as well. And it helped that his brother and his nephew actually fly for Air New Zealand. So he knew just how much flying meant to me. He, he was pretty supportive in my goal as well.
0: And what about the within your industry... I'm sure that there's other pilots that are inspired by your story because I imagine that there's a lot that struggle or might get partway through and something might happen and they think, oh, you know, that's that's my career over. Do you hear much much from other pilots?
1: Yeah, I've had a number who have reached out to me on Instagram. So if that is you, or not even if you are a pilot, if if, if you're not a pilot, sorry, if you wanted to reach out for sure. I There have been people reach out to me who are going through similar or worse. I mean, my, I feel like I'm really lucky. I think it's just important to re, don't take no. The first time someone tells you no, do not accept that that is the final outcome that's their outcome that's not your outcome i think you definitely need to put steps and goals in place and just do absolutely everything you can to try and prove that 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 no should be a yes and i get it sometimes it's it's unrealistic and you won't you won't i mean you know if i lost my eyesight i'm not going to try and <laughs> prove that i should be a pilot again but you know just try and push and work really, really hard and try and find a really good team who will help you achieve your
0: goal. Yeah, brilliant. That support goes a long, long way. Mm. So you're now actually living in Vietnam.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Here
0: I am on the Gold Coast and I'm talking to you in Vietnam. Why, Why are you <laughs> living there? I've, by the way, I love Vietnam. I've traveled through there. I've only spent a few weeks there and I want to go back but, but how, why are you there and how is it living there?
1: <laughs> it's incredible. I absolutely love it. So, I'm living in Ho Chi Minh City at the moment. I've been here for six months. So, the reason I came here is I have a goal of developing software to improve health and safety in the aviation industry. So, I can't give away too much at this stage, but I identified a loophole or or I think that there's some pretty serious improvements that can be made which I identified when I suffered the stroke. So I am working on that. Vietnam, I chose Vietnam because, one, I could get away from everything in New Zealand and just – go all in and focus but also Vietnam is, is a pretty big tech hub so I've got I've made some really good contacts here who are helping me on my journey and also I'm trying to automate my e-commerce businesses so I have a few websites that I run and being over here allows me to yeah, really force myself to take a step away from those businesses
0: and, and automate them as much as I can. So what is the the business that you're trying to automate?
1: So my main focus is an aromatherapy or essential oil business. It's Aroma and I sell dif- um, aromatherapy diffusers, essential oils and aromatherapy jewellery and it's not something I would ever, going back five years, I would never Ever dream that I would have a website selling these types of products? But I was introduced to essential oils when I got sick, and previously I would have thought, you know, it was, I'm not a witch, they're all, it's, you know, it's all <laughs> wobbly. Um, I never would have believed that essential oils can have such positive effects on um, your health and well being. But someone said to me, Why don't you try? Essential oils, and I was pretty desperate at that stage. So I wasn't sleeping at all. I was really, really anxious. Like I said, over why has this happened to me? Is it going to happen again? So I started using a diffuser and essential oils, and I swear that first night I noticed such a difference in my sleep, and I was relaxed. So I've been such a huge fan since then. That's
0: really interesting because I'm a fan of essential oils, and Marie, my gorgeous fiance, and I we've dabbled in them a bit, and I know that the essential benefits of them and I work with Carl Hewen, a functional medicine practitioner and essential oils are a big part of his practices and you know there's so many direct links between our physical, mental and emotional health that essential oils can help with and I love that the reason why you're into it is because it was part of it sounds like it was part of your rehab process and you felt the benefits so there's obviously a really deeper why to why you turn that into an actual business
1: yeah, definitely. I'm hugely passionate about them, and I want other people to experience the benefits that I experience. So I guess that that really helps for sure. I I I want other people to yeah to start feeling. So
0: tell us a little bit about the essential oils because they're they're from New Zealand, right? They're they're New Zealand oils, is that correct?
1: Oh, uh, not all of them, no. But they are blended in New Zealand. So I was I I buy from a certified organic place in New Zealand. I Was really nervous over where these oils that I was using before I started my business, where they came from, because I first someone gifted my first essential oils and um, a diffuser, and then after that, I was just buying them online. Did the typical look for the cheapest, searched around, buy the cheapest, and then I thought, oh, this is not really that good. If you're using them for your health and wellbeing, you probably just shouldn't be buying them from a site you don't know online, and going for the cheapest. So. I guess knowing where these oils have come from, knowing they are blended in New Zealand by a qualified aromatherapist, definitely, you know, makes me feel a lot better than buying from some random site online that you don't really know of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So from your perspective, tell us, all the listeners, why why would we want to use essential oils? What have you found that they're really beneficial for for you and your clients and what you know about them now and working with a certified organic aromatherapist?
1: Oh gosh, how deep do I go? So uh, basically uh, the main, I get so many people emailing me. I love getting customer feedback and the number one um, probable ailment that everyone seems to email me about is um, anxiety and stress and I sell an essential oil called Beat the Stress, and every as I've never ever had less than a five star review. I get the most moving emails from people. People get quite personal with me, and you've already heard how emotional I am. There's a few tears sitting at my computer (laughs) every week, that's for sure. I guess you you just need to try essential oils. Just um, even even if you don't believe in them, buy it. A few essential oils, even in a diffuser even in a roll on ball on your arm, if anything it's just start with using them to to smell great, help your house smell great, and you will definitely if, even if that 's the reason you start using them, I can one hundred percent swear on my life that you will notice health benefits for sure
0: beautiful, and like I said we 've dabbled in them a bit too, and uh, yeah we I know the absolute benefits of it, so We'll link up uh, in the show notes where people can find it. And actually, I wanted to get that information from you to ask where where can the listeners learn more about you and your aromatherapy, or so your essential oils and the diffusers business. What's your website and those kind of contacts?
1: So my website is aroma.co.nz. So it's aroma with three R's for rest, relax, and recover. Just because I guess that's aligns with my story. So aromar.co.nz and um, my Instagram as well. If you are suffering from anything, you wanted to reach out as pilot chick. Pretty easy.
0: <laughs> pilot chick. I love that.
1: <laughs> so, I'm not very active at the moment, but I, I don't post, but I definitely do um, post on my stories and I do reply to messages.
0: Beautiful. it's Isn't it a great feeling when, people do reach out and you learn and understand how what you're doing in different forms is actually helping people in their life and making an impact in their life. Definitely. I think to give and probably more importantly, which
1: I'm pretty bad at is and to accept help are probably two extremely, extremely powerful things. How can I help? And yes, I'd love your help. I think probably have the biggest
0: impact on, on anything. So so you were saying, is that hard for you to ask for help?
1: Yeah, I mean, accepting help, I guess, I, I think it's hard for everyone. Everyone wants to help other people, but you don't really want to accept help. If that makes it, well, that's me personally, that's how I feel. You know, it, it's so easy to say, how can I help? And you get so much satisfaction out of helping someone else. But asking for help is so hard or accepting help is is really hard. And i found accepting help in my business or accepting help with my software has just allowed my business to skyrocket for sure and that's exactly the same in your personal life.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean and it's funny because I have that resistance within me and sometimes Marie will say, why don't you just ask? And I think, oh, I just I don't want to put people out. I don't want it to make it feel like I'm trying to take something. You know, I just <laughs> need that funny little resistance.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's in all of us. But everyone loves to help. I mean, how much do you love to help? You get so much out of it. If both mutual engagement, you get you get so much out of it. So.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely, exactly and exactly why I'm talking to you right now, that's my, that's my giving of help because I know people listening to your story, they'll be able to make change based on that so this is my part <laughs> of giving so I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. And this, Shannon, your do not accept no as the final outcome and that attitude and your determination hasn't gone unnoticed globally and I believe you're a part of the International Women's Federation which... Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's only 25 female athletes from around the world that are a part of it. How has that experience been for you?
1: Yeah, so last year, I was so unbelievably grateful to be accepted as a member of WABIN, so the Women Athletes Business Network, which is sponsored by Ernst & Young and in conjunction with the International Women's Forum. So I went to Houston in October last year and met with the 25 other female athletes and a thousand of the world's top female leaders and it was just absolutely incredible it was really fortunate we met hillary clinton she was inducted into the international women's forum uh, and hall of fame and she was absolute so well not only her it, the other 1025 women were hugely inspirational but One quote that Hillary Clinton said and has really stuck with me, she said, um, it's exhausting and tiring sticking up for something you believe in, but we cannot give up or give in when people are not being treated justly. We have to stand up and use the voices. We have to advance the rights and opportunities of women. So she said of women, I think it's hugely important for all of us to think of standing up and using our voices for for anyone, basically, it doesn't matter how big or how small, take action, just really try and help
0: someone else. That's really powerful. And, you know, when I hear that kind of stuff, I'm I'm on board with it because I've said before on this podcast, I have some really powerful female mentors that I've had throughout my life and I love that there's, you know, these kind of things that exist where there's over a thousand of you inspirational and powerful women getting, women getting together. To It's not like you're trying to take us males down in the world. But I feel <laughs> like it's just a really um, empowering process for all women to sort of show, well, you know, there is possibility, there is opportunity, there is... Uh, like Hillary just said, there, stand up and use your voice.
1: Yeah, well, what I loved about it is it was all about how can we help others, not yes. how can we help ourselves. How can you help me? It was how do we use our voice to help others, and it was it was incredibly empowering for me. It was such an amazing experience in my life I, lo- I absolutely loved it how can we help others and we- when we're helping others we're growing ourselves so you know we're-, we're also helping ourselves
0: and has that that mindset that that resonating message I feel that it's come through in your businesses too so I feel like you've taken actually I don't want to put words in your mouth How much of your sporting (laughs) mindset and this empowerment message that you've received here comes across into your business?
1: I guess quite a bit. Yeah. I I love helping others. I love others achieving their goal. I guess that's why I I absolutely love playing a team sport. I love being part of a team. It's one of the things or or it is probably the biggest thing I miss being here is I don't have a team around me. Yeah, I, I I definitely want to see others achieve and like we've talked about my Aroma website, I want others to achieve the benefits that I have
0: actually, and just to touch on that, how I believe that you are quite successful in your entrepreneurial ventures too, that these businesses are doing great guns <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah they yeah, they go all right for sure. I guess the athlete competitive side of me comes out in my businesses and I'm always sitting targets and try and beat the previous month so that might also be why they do
0: pretty well I I don't
1: like to see a drop in sales
0: so there's that aspect that that does not surprise me at all that's almost like a drop in sales is almost like the no right (laughs) (laughs) you you say I do not take a drop in sales (laughs) just like yeah I do not take no for an answer (laughs) But then then you look at your business, like we just talked a little bit briefly before about the power and the importance of essential oils in everyone's life. So, your business is actually helping people and significantly and that's why people reach out to you on Instagram and tell you about that.
1: Yeah. I I, I love hearing that it has positively impacted someone else's life for sure.
0: So, you (laughs) know… We could talk for ages on all of this, and I'm going to link up the nz and your at Pilot Chick Insta into the show notes. And but there's a few questions before we do wrap up that I ask all my guests. So first of all, I want to know how I and the listeners can help you on your journey.
1: Well, that's a tough one. If there's anyone that makes any aviation decisions, you can definitely reach out. To
0: this
1: job. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if. if Definitely just reach out to me if I – this sounds – (laughs) this I'm putting the question I'm putting it back but if I can help anyone else in any way especially if it's if it comes to adversity or anything like that I I think that would help me for sure I get a lot of inspiration out of hearing other people's stories and hearing that people want to help themselves or want to overcome something
0: brilliant so by us reaching out and saying this is what we learned from your journey this is how you've helped that helps you as well I completely understand that as the fuel and the drive to help you move forward
1: or by alternative buy from my website that would definitely help me on my journey
0: (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of which one of my top core values is giving and i give all my guests a gift on this podcast for giving their time and value and what i'm actually going to give you shannon is something that i've never actually given on the podcast and you just kind of mentioned it there and that's a new customer because as i mentioned that we've sort of dabbled in essential oils marie and i often over the last four to six weeks have just talked about We need to get onto the diffusers. We need to do a bit more research. We need to ask Carl, what's the best oils? Where are we going to get them from? And then doing my research uh, beforehand and then hearing you speak, uh, I am actually going to jump on straight after this and buy some of your essential oils and I'm going to (laughs) get some of the beat the stress for a couple of clients that I work with as well. So my gift to you is a new customer.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're a star. Thanks, Robert.
0: (laughs) My absolute pleasure. (laughs) And I tell you what, I'm, I'm excited for where the business is heading and everything else because knowing how goal oriented you are and the fact that you've moved to Vietnam to completely immerse yourself into your businesses, it excites me to, to think that uh, where you're heading with it. And I know that no is not an answer. No is not the final outcome in your life. So. <laughs> yeah, good on you. So before we finish off the fast five questions... Uh, with the fast five questions sorry is there anything else you would like to say to the listeners or do you have any questions for me
1: no thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me hopefully you can take something something from it and yeah the one thing i want everyone to take out is don't take no for an answer
0: brilliant i think that's a deep resonating message throughout this so <laughs> the fast five questions Now, with this, I know you've listened to some of the episodes. Don't give yourself too much time to think about it. Just whatever comes first and what comes naturally, just let it roll off the tongue. (laughs) Are you ready? Right. (laughs) (laughs) What's one habit you wish you could change?
1: Negative thoughts that I constantly have about myself.
0: Mm, Wow, that would be a powerful one for all of us. (laughs) Do you... This isn't one of the fast five questions. Do you do work around that space because you're human and, like all of us, we do often have a lot of negative thoughts. Do you do you have tools and techniques that allow you to move away from those negative thoughts?
1: Yes. So one one thing that I do when I start thinking of thinking negative thoughts about myself is I start I turn it around and think of things that I'm really proud of. And mostly that revolves around, that'll always come back to, before the stroke it was rugby and now it's generally around what I've achieved since the stroke. So that's what I, Brilliant.
0: That's, uh, I fully get what you mean there because pride is what I anchor into as well that gets me through all right, the next one. What makes you feel absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energized?
1: My goals, I guess. When I, I'm pretty good at writing down my goals. I keep a journal. I um, write in it. Every Saturday, I go to a new cafe, so I don't go to the same surroundings. I go to a new cafe, and I look at the goals I've set. For that week, um, what went well, what didn't get go well. And looking at my goals, it sounds really cheesy, but definitely gets me pumped and, in, pumped and energized for
0: sure. That's not cheesy. That's that drive, <laughs> that internal. That's what, you know, that's what also fuels you with more of that pride. I've got to ask though, when you go to the cafes in Vietnam, do you drink coffee there? Yes. Have you found a good coffee? Because I know New Zealand is like Australia with their quality coffee. And when I was in Vietnam, maybe it's changed. It was a lot of years ago. And maybe when you live there, you know the places. But is it possible to find good coffee in Vietnam?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. When I first moved here, I asked someone where a good coffee shop was. And they were really offended and said, Vietnam is the home of coffee. But... I'd already tried a few coffees and did not like it, so no, it's definitely hit and miss. I've found a couple of good spots, but I don't go back to those because I do like new surroundings while I'm looking at the week ahead and stuff. So, I mean, during the week I go back to those same those spots, but while I'm journaling, no. There's a couple of good spots, but it's definitely hit and miss, especially if they don't speak English. I've been known to um, I went to one cafe once and thought I'd ordered a white coffee, and they delivered two packets of cigarettes, and I don't smoke, so that was an (laughs) interesting experience.
0: (laughs) Classic. (laughs) I bet
1: things can do with some improvement. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) Just a little. All right, next one. Have you ever washed a dog?
1: Washed a dog?
0: Yeah. No, don't wow, think so. Another one. There's no judgment <laughs> here. I don't judge people that they haven't washed a dog. I just get surprised sometimes when people haven't washed a dog. <laughs> <laughs> no. What's what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Probably my dad going back to who are they to tell you what you can and can't do.
0: Brilliant. That's served you extremely well. And the final one, what are you most grateful for in your life right now?
1: Probably my nieces and nephews. They bring me a lot of joy.
0: Shannon, you're a legend. Your attitude towards life, to not let even the greatest challenges deter you from your goals and visions, is infectious. Keep shining (laughs) your inspirational and impactful light to the world.
1: Thanks so much for having me on, Rob. I really appreciate it.
0: There she is, legends. I trust you got as much value from Shannon's story and attitude towards life as I did. Make sure you jump online and follow her on Instagram for her personal journey, at Pilot Chick, and jump onto her website for all the essential oils and diffusers at the Aroma.co.nz site. So that's A-R-O-M-A-R-R-R. Dot dot nz. So it's triple R at the end of that. And I'll link all that into the show notes. Let Shannon know that you heard her on this podcast too. We always love hearing about our community connecting with the guests. And I stay true to my gift to Shannon. And Marie and I have ordered our own awesome-looking wooden diffuser and four different essential oils to try. One of which is that Beat the Stress Oil that Shannon passionately spoke about. I mean, Marie and I don't have that much stress in our lives or anxiousness, but we're human and it definitely creeps in. So we're always looking at ways to manage these things better and invest into our health. So we'll keep you posted and let you know how that one goes. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who you believe could also gain value from it. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life, of impact.